2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
0: Spinning is a a, a bonus. One skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly, yes!
1: Setting
2: the pace, and I All righty, Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and it's not going to be a super lengthy episode, but we felt like after all the stuff that came out today regarding the Indiana Pacers, all the big hitters, we thought it would be wise for us to just talk about this in a quick 20-minute segment. So, Fachi, first things first, according to Vince Goodwill from Yahoo Sports, multiple teams are saying the Indiana Pacers are listening to pitches on Malcolm Brogdon and are monitoring DeMontis Abonis as well. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Look, the key word here has to be listening to the
3: offers. I don't think that you can just hang up on every single GM that's going to call after they utter their name, Sabonis or Brogdon or even Turner. You have to be like, look, I'm listening, but don't waste my time. Because Kevin Pritchard came on here personally and literally said, I don't want to make a deal just to make a deal. It's got to make sense and over here, if someone's going to offer, like, a true godfather-like deal, then, hey, maybe you got to consider it a bit. But I do not want to do anything drastic at this point midseason. The team will not recover.
2: Yeah, Goodwill goes on to say that um, on Brogdon belief is the Pacers feel Karis Lavert can man the point guard adequately enough should they get a real deal for Brogdon. I think right there, that's, that's where it is, a real deal. And, you know, the Pacers should be listening to offers based on, number one, how they played this year. Mm -hmm. And number two, just thinking long term, like, is Malcolm Brogdon the best point guard in the NBA? No, he's not. No. Is Malcolm Brogdon even a really a great true point guard? Probably not. I think he's better off ball. So Mm -hmm. quite frankly, I mean, you could have Levert play that point guard and have Brogdon play off ball and that could work together well. But I'm just saying like Brogdon means so much to this team on and off the court. They talk about his leadership. He talks about his you know, daily lunches with Coach Bjorken that he sees around the the field house. So for me personally, I just thought this was kind of interesting. I think teams more so are probably calling to see what the value is, but I don't think any player on this Pacers team should be deemed untouchable. There is not an A-level player on this team, and there's a lot of B-level players and some C-level players that make up this roster, but there is not an A-level player on this team. Even though Demacis Simonis has been a two-time All-Star, he has plenty of flaws in his game. So quite frankly for me, if they're listening to offers and they could turn Brogdon and Simonis into an A-level player, then I think you have to listen to that.
3: Yeah, there is a big difference between All-Star and untouchable. I mean, I have heard in the past, guys, like, this is going to sound disgusting – J.J. Hickson was once deemed untouchable. <laughs> Roddy Babois. I mean, these are guys that it's like, you look back and it's comical. So I don't think that you should really label anyone untouchable on this Pacers team. Hear the offers, but like like Pritchett said, don't just make a deal just to do one. I, I think that if the Pacers are going to do that, then you should be looking in that category of a, a Jeremy Lamb, an Aaron Holiday, maybe like a, a Doug McDermott. But I mean – to, to trade Turner right now, I mean, it feels like you're you're obviously not going to be able to replace his you know rim protection value. So whatever you're going to do, if we thought the Pacers were going through a ton of adjustments with their current roster, if you shake this whole team up right now, I mean, you might be throwing in the towel on the year.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think a lot of teams are going to have interest in the Pacer players, number one, because they're all on pretty good contracts, number Mm -hmm. one. Number two, they're all really solid players. Like we said, they're really good complementary players to some of these teams that need complementary players. And so you're going to probably get teams that have interest, but at the same time, you know, you can't just – Like I told you earlier in a text message, you know, trade cents on the dollar. You know, if you're not going to give up 10 dimes to give up two 50-cent pieces. You know what I mean? So I don't want junk. I don't want guys that, you know, altogether make up salaries and maybe make sense. But, no, I want, like, players that are absolutely actually going to step in and um, make a difference. So I'm not going to give away the source. But I had a Dallas Mavericks person reach out to me, and they said that they talked with a pretty reliable source on NBA Twitter. I don't want to give it away because they asked me not to. But they sent me a, a, a fake Mavericks Pacers trade and basically said this. So this is a nugget for anybody listening. Um, they said that there was a Kristaps uh, Porzingis, which I have no interest in, and Jalen Brunson on the table for Brogdon a Sabonis. And I said that is uh, laughable. Pacers would be stupid to do that deal. Um, that's not the kind of deal that I want. Now, if a team calls and asks for that, I mean, it, it, it's nice because Kristaps is uh, a bigger name, I guess, and some people would say, but he just doesn't fit next to Miles, in my opinion, in that sense. And I feel like the Pacers could get more out of those two than just uh, a guy that the Mavericks pretty much want to get off of.
3: Oh my God, I'm not touching Porzingis with a 10 foot pole. I don't even think that he he's going to be around to see the end of that deal. And I and I like you never wish injuries on anyone, but at Porzingis' height and the amount of games that he's played per year the Pacers cannot be left to clean up the rest of that contract at the end. I want nothing to do with Porzingis. So with Dallas, look, you obviously know there's not going to be Luca on the table over there. You know, that's not happening. And I already traded my boy, Seth Curry. No, I'm not going to bring that up, but I'm just saying, (laughs) you know, I couldn't resist, but it's at a point where I don't want to trade for, you know, your little pieces. If we're going to be blowing up either, you know, Sabonis and Brogdon or Turner and Brogdon it's, It's too much unless you're coming out on top. And when you mention, you know, that, hey, we have guys with great deals, great contracts, shout out to the front office because they've done a great job of acquiring talent via trade. And I think that if Pritchard was going to make a move, I would only want it to be a move that the Pacers clearly come out on top. And that's what they did when they acquired Karis LeVert and two second round picks for Victor Oladipo.
2: Yeah, that that's a great point, Foch. And I I think when it comes down to it, it's like, I I, I went back and I told you I was talking to a, a friend of ours that covers the Charlotte Hornets, and I finally got their response back on what would you trade for Sabonis, and it was like less protections on the pick, and you know our option of PJ Washington or Miles Bridges with the uh, Zeller and Graham package, and you know still not something that I love but it was interesting to see the value and where they see Turner and Sabonis as far as trading goes. And I mean, and it was quite a bit of a difference, I guess you could say, but not like drastically. Yeah. So I, I think their biggest point was the Pacers and the league knows this. They have to make a decision on one of these centers because it's never going to work as far as long-term championship you know, potential. So that does put a little bit of a, a damper on their value. But I kind of pushed back and said – I don't think the Pacers are going to just make a trade to get rid of one of them just because they feel like they have to. They, they think that these two can figure it out and work together. They can stagger their minutes. They're not overly concerned about that. Um, but, but if they can trade one of them and get a power forward back or a wing player back, that makes a lot of sense. Then I think they would do it. So, um, Anyway, but I I just wanted to bring this up because it's such an interesting thing to see these two guys' names mentioned in trade rumors right around the trade deadline. And it all kind of is trying to connect the dots with Sabonis because clearly he was frustrated last night. Clearly he's been frustrated throughout this whole entire losing streak that we've kind of been on. I know we won a couple games here and there, but it's not like been consistent winning like we had last year. And last year with McMillan, I mean, I thought Sabonis really thrived in his role this year on offense, he's been pretty good, but teams are kind of loading up on him, and then they're playing a totally different style than we played last year, which is what everybody wanted. That's what the front office wanted. But Kevin O'Connor came out today on the mismatch, and I uh, I quoted this and shared it on Twitter because I thought it was very interesting. It said, things don't seem good right now for Indiana. I've heard from quite a lot of people that players aren't super into Nate Bjorkman. There are some issues with the way the style is there. So Fachi, when you first saw that, what were your thoughts?
3: I thought to myself, man, this is going to be a narrative all year, isn't it? It's just this guy, it's his first year. He's trying to run a system that we probably don't have the necessary pieces for, but this is a Pacers team that pretty much kept this roster intact. I feel like if things don't go well for the rest of the season, yeah, there could be moves made in the offseason that shake up the team and acquire pieces that would fit more of what he's looking to do. But for now, it's like – Man, are we really just gonna jump down this guy's throat and really like have you know start some people start to say like, hey, look, you know maybe this isn't working out at all. It's like we're we we're, we're talking about a COVID year where the Pacers really didn't get to you know bond together and do a whole bunch of work in the off season. I mean, this was pretty much this was the quickest turnaround I'd say in NBA history, and you're plugging a rookie head coach in the NBA to over here give the guy time, please.
2: No, and I and I think, I think when you're trying to like pinpoint who the players are, I don't know who's leaking this information to Kevin O'Connor. Um, I don't know if it's agents. I don't know if it's other teams, players that have said something to him, maybe in conversations. I have no idea. So I'm not trying to sit here and act like I know. But mm-hmm. I think it's very obvious that Sabonis is the guy that unfortunately does not really fit this system. I mean, I, if I you so. if you look at him offensively, like he fits he fits pretty well, being the hub. But defensively guarding guys you know at the perimeter I know I don't um, like it I don't. it's not his style um, I, I felt like last year the solo Sabonis minutes were unbelievable with McMillan and the scheme they ran with Dan Burke but now it's just been like a totally different style and it doesn't really complement Sabonis's game so I feel like if they don't move on from Domas and they do move on from Turner they're gonna have to change that scheme a little bit because it's not Without going to work we even, we were making you know light of the last night like look anybody could have been playing last night but Really, I mean, if you think about it, teams are going to get at the will at the at the rim with will, um, without Turner out there, and it doesn't mean that Sabonis is a bad player. It's just he's just not a defender like that. He's not a rim protector. It's just who he is. But the the minutes weren't as bad last year. It felt like when he was out there by himself. So personally, for me, Fatch, when I when I think about this, I think he's probably one of the guys that's frustrated. Um, Scott Agnes, we talked about this a couple weeks ago brought up some interesting points about how he was frustrated with Bjorkman. Uh, his was more aimed at a triple-double. I didn't agree with that, but whatever. There was frustration there with the coaching staff. In, a, in addition to that, um, I think Aaron Holliday has probably got to be somebody that's frustrated. Definitely. Out of the rotation now, Was starting with McMillan, was really starting to come into his own. I, I think that he might be a player that might have a leak something as well because clearly his name has been in rumors for the past couple of weeks. I feel like that's a name that could be getting... Uh, he could be releasing information like he's not happy with the system and uh, that could be all linking. Oh, it's Sabonis. It's saying it, well, maybe it's not Sabonis.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you could be right uh, when when you talk about agents, I feel like agents like to do this stuff all the time. And I feel like that could very well be the case here. Uh, I just feel like in the beginning, the common thing we were hearing about is Bjorkren. He's very enthusiastic, very positive, like all of that stuff. And it's easy to do that and, and like it, and, and, you know, you hear it all the time, but when you're not winning and then you're hearing it a lot, it kind of makes you, you know, maybe tune it out a bit. And I oh, don't yeah. know if, if that's happening right now because at the end of the day, winning does cure all. And when the Pacers aren't winning, sure, it's it's not going to be the dandiest of all places. But if the Pacers can get things going, and I strongly believe they can, this we mentioned time after time, it's a brutal schedule this month. But it starts to lighten up a bit, and I think that if you can get past this trade deadline, you're eliminating a lot of distractions off the bat. And then Levert's getting more acquainted to, to the offense right now that I think that that'll help. that there are bright things ahead. We still don't know the TJ Warren you know situation. We, we, we don't have an idea on that, but I just feel like, man, it feels like there's been too many narratives this year, and that comes with not winning games.
2: Yeah, no, you're 100% right. The, the the part of not winning, everybody hates losing. Yep. And you see that's when guys request trades. That's when guys get frustrated and won out. Like, look at what's going on with Orlando. Um, oh, yeah. Report after report of a guy is not wanting to resign, guys wanting out. Um, just, you know, when you get stuck in monotony, I think players get frustrated. The players were frustrated last year in the playoffs because they lost four straight games against the Heat. Couldn't seem to crack that code. And then you go and see what they did against the Heat with Bjorken system and, and their new uh, kind of new roster, adding Karis Levert to the mix, not having TJ Warren, so and not having Victor Lodipo as well. You know, that's a bit of a different roster, but still at the same time, it's pretty much the same guys. It just, you know, they figured out a way to win, and I think that if you're looking at players that are frustrated, I think another name to keep an eye on is Miles Turner. Like, I understand, like people are like, "Whoa, he's been thriving in the system," but I'm sure he's probably frustrated sitting out in fourth quarters of games when he has been so dynamic on the defensive end, like how many times, I feel like it's been at least four times probably this year that we've seen McDermott or McConnell finish a game for, for Turner at the end of a game defensively. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what, what is going on here? Like it didn't make any sense. And then that's where we kind of talked about that Turner versus bonus rate that we kind of got into uh, last episode. But I, I think personally for me, Foch like that probably is weighing a little bit of a, a, a factor in on everything too. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in as a coach. He is a new coach, and I think that could possibly be some of it. Like, doesn't have that pedigree – not pedigree, but he doesn't have the um, the history behind him of being an NBA coach. So maybe there's guys that just, like, don't respect him as much. Um, but but I don't know. I think all of this is just being maybe a little bit overblown in a sense. But I think, I think it's so. still – I think it's still interesting. The guy's only been coaching for how many games now? 40-something? It's, yeah, it's like 41, 42 games. Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't even had a fully healthy roster yet. So personally for me, it's like, I'm not going to overreact, but I just, I shared that because I thought it was interesting and uh, I wasn't trying to get clickbait or anything like that. It just literally when you hear stuff like that, I think it's worth noticing and, and keeping note of because if something does happen down in the future, you can go look back at it and say, oh, this could be where it starts. Of
3: course, and I just think that the Pacers have always done a great job of keeping things in-house in the past. That has been always been something they've pried on, where even they've, they've said if, if someone's going to get traded, they would let that player know, and the player would keep it professional, and we wouldn't hear anything until after the fact, and that's why I'm very – confused as who is leaking this information. It seems like this is like a game of clue. Like there's a couple different suspects over here, but we don't really know who it is. And I think we'll eventually find out in time, but I wouldn't be surprised. They put together a winning streak and we don't hear a peep. Yeah. Because I I think that there's other teams that are seeing the Pacers, a team that prides themselves on being a playoff team. And right now they're on the outside looking in And I think that there's teams saying, hey, there's some good appealing players over there. Maybe Indiana could be tempted to, you know, unload someone right now. It's like, well, hey, back off, guys. We're not going down without a fight. All right. So, you know, lose our number for now unless you're going to pony up because I don't want to hear these deals involving Cody Zeller and Devontae Graham unless you're throwing in a lot more because you can't be wasting our time. And right now I I think that that's what the Pacers need to do is do not waste our time.
2: Yeah, Devontae Graham continues to be a name that keeps getting thrown into things, and they're saying that he could be a big piece in acquiring Miles Turner. I'm like, uh, are you guys serious right now?
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. But some of these deals, like, when I'm hearing that P.J. Washington is off the table, and look, I I like P.J. Washington, but let's be honest. A package of P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham, and Cody Zeller, I mean, there's got to be more there if you're looking at Miles Turner because Cody Zeller you know, look, he's not comparable to Moss Turn. He's also an expiring contract. We're not looking to just unload that. I like P.J. Washington's game, but Devontae Graham, you're talking about a guard that's going to try and fit in a team with a crowded amount of guards. And then who needs another contract? And, you know, if we're being honest, re-signing T.J. Warren is my preference far before Devontae Graham.
2: <laughs> well, 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 yeah. <laughs> well,
0: uh,
2: well, that's, that shouldn't even be up for debate. Why? It's why would you? Why would you even want to com- put those two in the same category? They're not in the same category.
3: Well, then here's what I'd say: if you're going to make a deal like that, you would have to attach Aaron Holiday in that deal, also, wouldn't you?
2: I don't think so because Graham only makes like 1.5 million, and Zellers like 15. So mm-hmm. Turner's 17 would be plenty to cover that um plus the pick obviously they'd probably want protections on it but i would i would say unprotected <laughs> if,
3: if it's if the pick's protected i don't even think this conversation needs to go no no
2: nope. we don't need cody seller at this point no no uh, and we don't really need Devontae graham so you're trading him for the pick which makes zero sense to me so let me ask you this because we said we're not going to sit here and divide both of the two up but i mean if there are serious concerns about this roster going forward fitting with Bjorken. Um, is there any any world that you live in, Fati, where you would be okay trading Sabonis?
3: I mean, it would have to be enough of a haul to be able to win now and have assets for later to continue to get better. It would not. Ha- it would not be. I couldn't trade Sabonis in a deal that's for the future of hopes to get better. It would have to be a deal that keeps this team competitive now with assets that you can move to even get this team over the hump. I'm talking about like a conference championship and above like scenario. We cannot be trading for, you know, Indiana may have come out on top. No, this needs to be a haul. And I know that there's other teams that probably don't view Sabonis like that, but all stars, they're not just coming through Indiana hey, you know, like this, this, and that. I mean, we've had some good players, but, A guy like Sabonis, we've seen truly grow in front of our eyes, and he brings a lot to the table. So I just think that if you did move Sabonis, you would be able to get more than what you would get from Miles. If you trade Miles, the defense, you're not going to get someone comparably where, oh, yeah, he's a good rim protector. No, you're going to take a big hit there. Sabonis, I think you could get players back and picks. But, you know, that offer would have to blow me away.
2: All right, so you know how big of a Sabonis fan I am, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if people don't know me very well, Demonte Sabonis is clearly my favorite Pacer player on this roster. But I will say this. I am starting to grow frustrated with how much he complains during games about foul calls.
3: It's becoming a lot.
2: He's kind of getting on my nerves, to be honest with you. And it's like, you know, I, I understand that he probably does get fouled a lot. But there are times in games where he just quits playing defense because he doesn't want to get a foul. There's times on, on on the game where he won't even go back on defense because he's barking about a call, and and quite frankly, he has not he has looked really bad in multiple games in this system. So I would not say that I would pick Bjorkin in his system over Demontis Sabonis, but I think if the Pacers are are not attached at the hip, but if they're very keen on keeping Bjorgren and playing a modern style, um, I think that you really, really, really should consider trading Sabonis. And this is coming from someone that loves Sabonis. And I'm just telling you, the way Turner has evolved into a comp- like an elite rim protector, I think that his value to this team and what he brings is probably equivalent to what Demo- uh, Sabonis brings on the offensive end. Um and I know this probably sounds crazy that I'm saying this because I don't usually get into this like this, but um, the more and more I watch the bonus, the more and more I'm starting to, his flaws are starting to show more and more and more in the system, which is not necessarily a good thing. I mean, you would want him to shine and he's had really good moments, but those moments have been really spotty recently. It's not very consistent. And I think that if you can trade him because he has more value and maybe attach an asset with him to go out there and get an elite level wing player or a point guard, Similar to what Rep brought up a couple months ago talking about Bradley Beal, like, you know, it's hard to it's hard to part ways with someone that you care so much about and, and you're so invested in as a fan. And I think it, it would make some sense on paper. But I think ultimately what it comes down to, this fan base, whether you want to uh, believe it or not, they're really like 50-50 torn between these two guys. Oh, I, oh, yeah. It might even be more towards Sabonis. I think a lot of the fan base is very, 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 very much pro-Sabonis if Man, the pacers know, if it the exactly feel split to me i, I, I think they're more pro sabonis if you wa- if you see every outlet not just twitter but if you look at instagram and you look at facebook i think that it's 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 close but i think there's more people that are pro sabonis i think if the pacers were to move on from a two time all-star into monty sabonis that would really probably upset the fan base. Even even though I think they could come back from it if they won some games, I think it would be very, very, very hard to get this fan base to get on board with that kind of move. Um, unless Domas says he wants out. But at the end of the day, Fachi, I don't necessarily think Domas is that guy, but I don't he does so have either. a fiance from California. They spend
3: most of their time know. out there in the off season. Eh. I've heard the rumblings. I've heard I, it. I've already
2: seen some
0: tweets it's, saying it's a bonus to LA, you know,
3: 2023. It's,
2: or it's 20- PTSD yeah. from all these other guys oh, yeah. wanting to leave us. I'm not even going to get into that rabbit hole. But I do think that all these little things are adding up. Turner is happy to be here. Turner's been here since he was drafted in 2015. He's literally grown as a player. Um, and we're seeing it before our eyes. Like I thought last year there were some moments where he was kind of hit or miss. This year, there's probably been some hit or miss moments, but I think consistently he's just been unbelievable where he's been placed at in this in this offense and in this defense. So, yeah, I mean, unless you unless you get a massive player to get back for Sabonis, you don't trade him. But I think if you're picking between the two and you want to keep your Bjorkman and play this system, you've got to take a long look in the mirror and um, really make a tough decision because if you do trade Turner over Sabonis in this situation, you have got to change things up schematically. It, 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 I don't
3: want it to take what it took last night of, you know, no Miles Turner, and you look at and the Pacers just got absolutely abused, absolutely abused, and now the Pacers are zero and three without Miles Turner this year. In those games, they are letting up a ton of points. So I do think that if you trade Miles Turner, the defense is going to fall off of the cliff. If you trade Sabonis, you might be able to get a much bigger package that can keep them competitive. But either way, the fan base is gonna be hurt. It's gonna be a big change. And this is this is considering that no one asks out for, you know, ask, wants out. But you know, when you're talking about, you know, trading a two-time All-Star. So I'm going to be honest. I haven't been right since we traded Jermaine. I, I'm still hurt, and that <laughs> oh, was like, let it go, let it go. I can't. I, that was 2007, 2008. I'm still hurt, so this would take some time getting over. You know, but it, it all depends on what the package is. I don't think the Pacers would blow this up unless they got an extremely appealing deal. Uh, and right now, I just think that teams are kind of just kind of poking around to see. You know, which direction are we going? And, and the Pacers are looking to keep it competitive. So, you know, I don't think they're going to do anything this week. I really don't.
2: Yeah, this week I don't think so. I think if they do anything, it'll be minor. I don't think you'll see a starter traded. You might see a bench player traded. Um, but but there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of noise around the Pacers, more than there is usually. Um, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. But I think with this Pacers team, we've known all along, like, hey, you know, why there are – sometimes they've been attached to rumors that don't come true. There's been some where they have. Or they've been, you know, linked to a team and it kind of or a player and it does kind of like fall through at the end. But I just think that there's this team was a little bit more active in free agency than we realized, even though they didn't get anybody. They were looking at different signing trades. They looked at Gordon Hayward, Fred Van Vliet, Bogdan Bogdanovich, like all three of those names were attached to the Pacers. And then once again, you're seeing it before the deadline. I think the Pacers are very unhappy with where they're at. I think that I think they know so. they want to make a change. I just don't think that they're going to force a change. For, with a trade but I do think they're taking calls and this this is good because if these calls are made now you can revisit them in the offseason when it's probably a little bit easier to make roster moves than it is during the regular season
3: and let's say this also I mean we've also heard that the Pacers were calling around about Garrett Temple a while back and you know maybe they did make an initial call about Devontae Graham maybe the Hornets tried to make it into a bigger deal you know who knows but I think that Pritchard and, and the front office are doing their due diligence. That's all you can ask because I trust in Pritchard. I do. He, he's he's put good pieces around. Injuries dictate certain things. Bjorker needs more time on the job. But but guys, this is not built overnight. I mean, look, right now there's teams like, for instance, the Lakers are going to be without LeBron and AD. Let's see how they go for the next few games. I mean, that could be real tough.
2: Yeah, no, it definitely could. But, Fachi, we got to wrap this up. we got things to do tonight. We weren't planning on doing a podcast, but we decided to come together for a quick non-emergency but, you know, reactionary podcast, and I wanted to get your thoughts on everything. So let the people know where they can find us at on social media.
3: So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk.
2: Yep, and at the end of the day, when you don't know what to say, just throw your hands up in the air and scream these three words.
0: Let's go, Pacek! Oh, he it. Oh,
1: he smothered that chicken! He got one! He smothered the chicken!
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series
1: premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.